Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we continue the review of the Chiefs 2019 season, this time with the defense in our roundtable discussion. Super Bowl winning athletic trainer Billy Voltaire stops by and he talks to us about his thoughts on the Chiefs while he was a member of the Houston Texans and Denver Broncos. But first, as always, we start off with Charles Goldman, the managing editor of the Chiefs Wire. What is your overall grade of Steve Spagnuolo's defense last season? I would give the unit a B-plus on the season. Um, Frankly, they exceeded my expectations with how quickly everyone was able to gel and get the scheme down and all the minutia of the defense. I mean, usually you have a a new coach coming in, a new coordinator, a bunch of new assistant coaches, um, and it could take months, if not seasons, for guys to get comfortable playing in the new scheme with the new teammates, with new coaches. So I think it just speaks to the quality of the coaching staff and and how they gelled together, but also the personnel and how they were able to learn and pick things up and and come together and have a successful season and and then just complement the offense as well as they did. And they really stepped up in, in a big way in certain moments throughout the season when Patrick Mahomes was injured. Um, and then they just started coming on and clicking even better as the season progressed, which is what you kind of want to see. So um, I'd give them a B plus. I mean, there's obviously room for, for improvement. The run defense was a little leaky um, in parts of the season. They can kind of tighten some things up there. And the secondary, I mean, Tyron Matthews said it himself. He was like, I, I dropped eight interceptions. You know, he could have had more, and he was just this close to having more. So I think this next season they're going to look to to kind of tighten up some of those things and make sure that some of those pass passes defended turn into interceptions. Some of those missed tackles that, that would have been a stop or, you know, a tackle for loss, those will start happening more frequently. And especially because there's not a whole lot of turnover. So, yeah, I think that the defense did a fine job last season, and I think it's kind of looking up for them moving forward. Okay, and which Chiefs player needs to step up on defense next season? I have three players that I think uh, I'll talk about here. First, I'm going to start with um, the obvious, the, the top draft pick from the 2018 NFL draft, uh, Breland Speaks. Now, his career hasn't started out great. 2018 he was playing out of position playing outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense when he really needed to be a, a hand in the dirt defensive end now he's getting an opportunity to do that in, in Steve Spagnuolo's defense and he did look good in the 2020 preseason before suffering that that knee injury that knocked him out for 2019 so I, I mean I think he's a guy he needs to play with some urgency next season because he's facing a lot of competition it's kind of do or die time for him because his roster spot might be at stake, and it's it's he hasn't necessarily gotten a fair shake yet, but I think he'll have that opportunity in twenty twenty. Next is another guy from that same draft class, Dorian O'Daniel. He he played six snaps on defense in twenty nineteen. Six six snaps, um, even as a rookie when when he didn't contribute in in. Uh, and Bob Sutton's defense all that much. He played over 100 defensive snaps. So um, it felt like he kind of took some step ba- steps backwards this season and, and having to learn a new scheme. I mean, the big thing, he was still learning um, in, in his rookie season, and it took him a little bit. It took him about like halfway through the season to kind of get in there and get involved. So I feel like he was going through that same learning process uh, this past season. And they had some other guys that they were more comfortable with and 
yeah, the Chiefs had had a couple of ticky tacky things along the way, but they didn't really have any big injuries at the the inside linebacker position. So he really didn't get much um, as far as an opportunity goes. You know, you'd hoped that he would get a chance on like maybe like the dime linebacker packages and stuff like that. But they were still using guys like Daniel Sorensen and Ben Neiman in, in some of those sub package groupings. So he needs to kind of carve out his own role for himself this season. And Matt House has already talked about it a little bit and said that he'll he'll have a chance and an opportunity to do that. So looking for him to kind of step up and maybe have a breakout year within some sort of role in the defense, not just operating on special teams where he's kind of been, you know, a, a big guy for that unit so far. And finally, I'll go with a little bit of a, a veteran. I'm going to say Anthony Hitchens. Anthony Hitchens is a guy that has a top 10 salary cap hit for the Kansas City Chiefs next season. He's among the top paid players on the team, and um, he hasn't really played like it. So I I think that now you have a team that's invested in a a guy with a high draft pick. Uh, They've invested in Willie Gay Jr. So I think if... Willie Gay comes out and he plays really well. I think that kind of puts Hitchens in a bit of a spot where it's like, okay, are they going to look at drafting my replacement, you know, next year in a couple years? So I think Hitchens needs to kind of have a career best type of season next year because remember, he still has a couple years left on his contract. And it's not until 2022, actually, that he has one of those out years where the Chiefs can say, all right, we're going to cut you and tear up this contract and what have you so so next year even he's he's kind of locked in so I think he really needs to have a big season um, in 2020 and carry that over even into 2021 so yeah those are uh, the guys that I I think can kind of step things up on defense uh, next season are you sold on Chad Henney as Patrick Mahomes backup next season I think by now we've learned that it's less about the quality of the backup quarterback and more about what Andy Reid is capable of doing with them. And you see what he was able to do with Matt Moore last season, and he was doing it on the fly, you know, pulling him out of retirement and all of that. So um, for for next season, I'm fine with Henny being the guy. Um, But I'd like to hope that that either Jordan Tamu or Shea Patterson – could be like a long-term solution at the backup quarterback spot because Henny's not going to be that that long-term guy. Would I like to see someone like Colin Kaepernick or Cam Newton on the roster backing up Mahomes? Sure, absolutely. But that's not realistic given current salary cap restraints. And those guys deserve to have an opportunity to, to go and compete to be a starter somewhere. So... I mean, if the Chiefs want to get better at the backup quarterback spot, they'll they'll need to find a developmental prospect behind Mahomes. Otherwise, you're just going to be looking at retreats and cheap veterans who can win you a game or two in a pinch during the course of the season. But, I mean, I've been a proponent of going out and finding that guy who can come up and learn behind Mahomes because, I mean, you look at what... Bill Belichick has done with Tom Brady all this time. He, he turned guys like Matt Castle into draft capital. So I, I'd like to see um, the Chiefs get proactive in that and find some of these guys who they can maybe convince a team, hey, this guy could be you know the solution for your team. Trade us some high high caliber draft picks for him. I, I think that's something that they need to look into. But as far as we're we're talking about with next season. I think they're they're okay with Chad Henney being the guy. And as always, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? So part four of our series with uh, Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson debuted this week. I really liked this, this uh, conversation that we had in particular because he's a native of uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. And he had some really interesting thoughts on how the NFL can kind of advance its international audience and the types of things that they can do to uh, to to find and get new international players in the NFL. Um, and it's really all interconnected, having those international players, building that international audience, and perhaps even finding a team abroad. So really interesting conversation there. And then, of course, you, Ed, you had an interview with uh, current Texans strength and conditioning coach, Billy J. Voltaire. 
And um, he had some really unique insight uh, into playing against the Chiefs during his career as an athletic trainer and then as a strength and conditioning coach. So I, I thought that was really cool um, hearing what he had to say. And then, uh, of course, we had a few more of our undrafted free agents spotlight series. Uh, those debuted this past week. And then uh, the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame ballot was released this week, and there were a couple of Chiefs on there, including uh, Morton Anderson, who I was just talking about. So um, check those out. We have a, a bunch of different other articles on Chiefs Wire. You can visit us at ChiefsWire.com. And thank you so much for, for listening and reading. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back in. As always, it's that time of the show where we get into the roundtable discussions. Now, last week, we were all about the offense and uh, reviewing the Chiefs offense and the different grades. There were some grades that, you know, we, we were pretty nice with the offense. I don't know how we're going to be with the defense this time around. I'm joined, as last time, with uh, Mitch along with Talon Graff. Guys, how's it going? It's going well, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Okay, so now we're talking to the defense, and everyone knows it's no secret, secret that the uh, Chiefs are known more for everything you do on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense took a real step forward. And, and, you know, we try to look at what Steve Spagnuolo did with this group. How about we just start off with him as new coordinator? What would, how would you guys grade Spagnuolo on his first season? And, Mitch, I'm going to go with you on this one. Um, I'm going to give an A. Uh, or Yeah, I'll go ahead and give an A just because it looked a lot better from 2018. Um, like I, it could, it couldn't, it couldn't have been worse in 2018. So, but you know, he came in and I saw significant strides with a lot of different players, including, you know, Charvarius Ward, um, Anthony Hitchens. And, uh, I just think he did a great job, uh, getting this defense to the next level. Um, I think we went from, we were, you know, ranked in the teens. So I think that was a really big step and I'm excited for year number two with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to give him an A as well. You know, he's brought in and everybody, as soon as he was hired, Super Bowl was was is kind of Super Bowl or busts. And that's exactly what happened. We got a Super Bowl victory. So, I, yeah, I got to give him an A. He did a hell of a job making this defense a Super Bowl contending defense and did a great job in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, A, A all the way. You know, I would definitely uh, agree with an A as well. I was actually going to – I was originally going to come in and say maybe like A minus, B plus – because the team showed some promise towards the end of the season. The beginning of the year, if you remember, they were getting run um, – every running back was having big games against them. So I was thinking about that, trying to keep that into consideration. But the way they uh, finished out the season and then the playoffs and, and obviously the Super Bowl where the defense really stepped up in the second half, you've got to give Spagnolo his credit. He got the team motivated, and an A is a good grade. I, I'm all for that. Okay, so let's talk about now, we, we said Steve Spagnuolo. How about we start off with that defensive line and really go across there and see the type of players and uh, the impact that they had in the past season. Now, the first guy I think about right away is uh, Chris Jones. We obviously know he's dealing with the contract issues right now going into this year. But uh, how would we grade last year's performance and talent? I'm going to go with you on this one. Yeah, man, I got to give Chris an A. He was the heart and soul of the defense, which he really kind of has been since he stepped in. He's really emerged as the leader in the face of that defense. He's been the go-to guy, uh, especially when, you know, the, the stalwarts like Justin Houston, Eric Berry, Tom Bali, as soon as those guys were kind of phased out, it was Chris Jones' defense, and he was the leader, and he stepped up in a big, big way. He's, he's not only there in the stat sheets every week, but he's there in the locker room. He's there kind of motivating the guys. You know, he's got that – that nickname Stone Cold Chris Jones for a reason. Uh, he's just got that swag about him where he's just he, he's he's infectious. His, his, he's, he can tell he loves to play the game. Um, but but outside of that, you know, looking diving into the stats and kind of what he provides on the field is it, it, it is a hard hard thing to replace. And hopefully we don't have to replace that. But if we do, we'll you know it, it, is, it is what it is. But focusing on 2019, I and mean, Chris Jones was. 
he was the center of everything we built the defense around, bringing in Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew. None of that works without Chris Jones, so I got to give him an A because without him, none of this, I don't think, happens for the defense. Yeah, I'll go ahead and give him an A, too. I mean, uh, he deserves, like, after the season he had, he deserves to be the highest or one of the highest-paid defensive players in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he's just one of the greatest players the Chiefs have on defense and really the NFL. He's right up there with Aaron Donald and some of the other premier pass rushers in the NFL. Um, you know, so I'll go with an A with A also. I'm going to go with, with an A just because he set the tone for this defense the same way you were just saying, Talon. Uh, you look at what he's done, especially the, you know, the year prior. He had the big sacks. Uh, the, uh, the numbers were high. Uh, this year, just being such a consistent force on that line, you know, helping set the tone for how the, te- the team is going to grow and really buying into uh, Spagnuolo's system. So I-, I definitely, you know, agree with that. I think an A is the uh, the proper grade for him on that one. But uh, I want to move down the line and uh, take a look at a guy like Frank Clark, brand new to the team. There was a, a bit of a slow start to his Chiefs career. Uh, Mitch, I want you to start with this one. What are your thoughts on Frank Clark? Yeah, I'm going to give him a B, um, and I feel really good about that just because he didn't really have the type of season, you know, we expected with the amount of money he's getting. I do know he had some injury issues near the beginning of the season, playing with a pinched nerve, and I give a lot of respect to him because he was playing through that, and, you know, once we found out what, found out what really happened, it was really impressive, but the production wasn't quite there, what I would hope for with, you know, being paid the being the highest paid player on the defense. So, but overall I was really happy with what he was able to do, especially in the postseason. So I'll, I'll go with a B with him. Yeah. You know, that that's almost exactly spot on in my eyes too, Mitch. I think I was, I was leaning towards the B, but with what he did in the playoffs, how he kind of turned it on, I'm going to go B plus. I, 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 I agree with the money he got in the slow start as you, as you alluded to. Um, I just don't think he was everything that the Chiefs had hoped he would be right off the get-go. It, it did take him a little while to really get his groove going. Uh, but B-plus for how he stepped up in the in the uh, playoffs, five sacks in three games, that's huge. Um, and outside of that, the regular season, it is what it is. You know, he he came in right behind Chris Jones for for uh, second place for sacks on the defense. Uh, he, he stepped up in a few spots here and there. He wasn't really consistent toward the beginning but toward the end he really did hit a stride and then as I mentioned the playoffs he was really invaluable so I really think B plus that borderline not quite a not quite you know as bad as maybe some might remember but B plus I think is where I'm going to put him you know what like I said I agree with both you guys with the way you were going with this but I'm actually going to take it a step higher I'm going to go with an A minus only because he came on strong towards the end of the season um, what he did in the playoffs was such a big deal. And a guy who had the experience, you know, winning and, and uh, bringing that culture to the defense is such a big deal. And he stepped up and really earned his money during playoff time, which is when you want all your big players to uh, to come up big. So I, I'm really going to give him an, an A- minus on that. I thought he was, he was just the leader. He was one of the leaders that they needed at that time, especially with a bunch of guys that hadn't had the playoff experience he really uh, stepped up for them. So Frank Clark, I, I could see a minus for him. So I, I don't know if you guys agree with that because it could have been a little high. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think the argument's there. Really, I think it makes sense, and I think you, if you you know polled a hundred Chiefs fans, I think he might get B, B plus, A minus. You might even get C, some C's. You might get some guys that say he deserves an A plus. You know, I think it's kind of all across the board. I think the verdict is still kind of kind of out on how valuable he is in terms of his contract and if he really is worth it. And, and, but, you know, I think the argument's there for every grade. I think he's just kind of all across the board. If you were to go out and poll these fans. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think, you know, one thing that people forget about him is how good he just is on the edge, stopping the run. If you remember the, uh, the Ravens game, he did such a good job of just setting the edge on there and keeping Lamar Jackson from going on his side, you know, and making big plays though. I think that can be forgetful, but uh, I'm definitely going to put him right in that area. Okay. That's a, well, you know, we're, we all have him in the same sort of area, so that's fair enough for, to move, move along, I should say. Uh, still staying on the line, how about Derek um, Nottie? What, how do you guys feel about him? You know, I, w- I would 
it's it's difficult because he wasn't like the, the the main guy. He wasn't the go-to guy, so I don't really want to give him an A. But he didn't do terrible. Uh, you know, he wasn't like a, uh, you. You didn't feel like we were in a bad spot if he was on the field. You know, you trusted him to do what he did. He he did his job. He he's always been kind of known as a run stuffer. Uh, never been a pass rusher. He was always that. He's, he only totaled one sack, which is fine. You know, he, he's that. That's his job. But he did total forty-eight tackles. Um, Eighteen of those being solo. He got, I think, three tackles for loss. You know, he he did a decent job. So I think I'm going to put him probably where I put uh, Frank Clark, right at a B plus. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I'm going to put him at a B plus. Also, he's just a great rotational player. Um, I definitely don't feel comfortable, you know, if the Chiefs want to make him the starter over Chris Jones or anything like that. I'm not comfortable with that yet at all. But uh, I do think he's a good rotational player, and uh, I think he did a good job while he was in, you know, with the reps he got with the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree. You know, obviously being a, a player that can come in, he can start some games if necessary, but you want a guy that's consistent. He can stop the run. Um, I, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm just going to go with a B. Because at the same time, yes, he is consistent, which is what you want. He isn't an impact player. And uh, he is a guy that if you do put him in that starter's role, could he take his game to another level? Or is this basically a ceiling for him? So I'm kind of interested to see, you know, how it's going to go moving forward. Because I feel like with this whole Chris Jones situation, you kind of have to think about the alternative here. And do you feel like he's a guy that can step up and really take that role? Yeah, I mean, kind of Mitch Mitch kind of alluded to it. I, I'm not sure he's ready to step into that role. I don't know if he ever will be ready to step into that face of the defense role. I don't know if that's why the Chiefs drafted him. I don't think they really ever anticipated him to be that guy. But who knows? This is going to be his third season, his kind of a, you know, how good can you be season. We, there's not a lot of depth behind those two with Jones and Nadia. I mean, you got Mike Pinnell, you got Kalen Saunders. Uh, but other than that, you know, Braylon Speaks, we, nobody really knows what he even – is he a D-end, is he D-tackle, you know. Uh, so I, 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 I kind of agree with Mitch. I'm not really trustworthy enough of Nadi to be the guy on the defensive line in the middle of that. I don't think he provides enough uh, versatility. I think he's just kind of a one-dimensional player, which that is who he is. You know what you're getting out of him, and that's what he provides. You, you, don't, you can't expect him to be something he's not. I definitely hear that, guys. I, I completely understand, and – how about we make a, a quick turnover to the linebacker situation? And Anthony Hitchens, you know, there's been a, a lot of uh, back and forth in regards to the season he had. Obviously, staying healthy is a big deal in, in regards to his story. How would you grade him, Talon? I'm going to start with you. Who uh, this might be the toughest grade out of all because, I mean, you want the middle of your defense, that middle linebacker in – when he got brought in from Dallas, he had such high expectations from the fan base, I believe, just because of, of how he played in Dallas and just kind of that since Derek Johnson left, we didn't really have that linebacker presence. And we were kind of hoping as a fan base that he would provide that. He, he's never really lived up to that. He's, he struggles in space uh, in the box. He's, he's really good. Uh, I wouldn't say he's one of the best. He's, he's, you know, he's above average inside the box. But when you get him in space, he really struggles. Um, I just saw too many times this season where it was like, Hitchens, what are you doing, man? And I, I got to give him – I'm going to be rough. I'm going to give him a C plus. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go with a, a B minus just because I think he's – like he knows what he's doing mentally because, like, he's always the guy that's setting up the defenses and he's always knows, like, where everybody's supposed to go. It just seems like seems like he's a second late at recognizing the play sometimes. Um, you know, I think he's definitely the best linebacker the Chiefs got on the team right now. Um, so I'll go ahead and go with a B minus. I think I'm really excited to see him with year two and Spagnuolo's defense as things may be a little faster for him now. But uh, I'll go with a B minus. You know what, I would agree with that as well. It's, it's tough when a guy has high expectations. We were just talking with Frank Clark and – any ability of what he could do out there on the field and you're not quite seeing the consistency of it. It's, it's just, you, you want to see him succeed because you know that he could provide a lot more to, um, uh, to everything going on. I was stuck. I, I, I'm going to go with the B minus just because, you know, I feel like he's still a very talented player. You know, staying healthy is important. I don't think he was all the way there on um, the whole season, 
But, uh, you know, just for him to produce and really put up some more numbers and, and take control of this defense from that position is, is really important because the linebacking core has is, is been, been sort of shaky. So I, I agree with that with Hitchens. And uh, whatever they do has to start with him going into this season. And uh, let's, take a, let's take another look with, with another uh, linebacker right now, Reggie Ragland. I'm, I'm really curious to see how you feel about him, Talon, because you were pretty rough on Hitchens. How, how do you feel about him? <laughs> yeah, boy, if you thought I was rough on Hitchens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, ugh, for a grade for Ragland, I, uh, I got to go D+. Plus. I, I think Ragland has been such a huge letdown ever since we got him from Buffalo, and he was such a high draft pick, and he kind of fell flat in Buffalo, but everybody said it was, oh, it wasn't a, you know, it was a scheme fit thing, and when he comes over here and then we switch to a four three and I don't know. I just don't think he fits in with us and I don't think he's, he's a good fit. I I don't know. I I don't, I'm not a big fan of Reggie Ragland at all. And I got to go with the, uh, I I believe I said a D plus. Um, Yeah. He just, he's not that valuable. He doesn't provide that much. Uh, He, he seems out of position a lot of times. He just, he doesn't seem to be, what we need him to be so and i think there's a, some there's other players out there rather that be a free agent we find you know rather it be al Ogletree. i know he's he's pretty expensive or you know one of these other free agent linebackers out there but i just don't think reggie ragland is the best possible fit for what we need yeah i i agree um reggie ragland he's you know he's made some big plays for us and you know he's had some impressive you know you know fl- splashes you know on the field but uh I'll go with the D plus. I'm not really going to miss him. I'm kind of glad he went off to Detroit. Maybe Detroit will, you know, be a good change of scenery for him, but I'm not really going to miss him here in Kansas city. Yeah. You know, I knew it was going to be a rough one. I was like, I just saw the way you guys kind of went in with Hitchens. And I was like, let me, let me just bring up Raglan to just get you guys uh, opinions with him. D plus that is rough, but I think that it's really on the money right there. He didn't make much of an impact. He was a guy that you expected a lot more out of. And uh, we, we really didn't get it. So it's going to be interesting, you know, that the Chiefs are going to move, move on from him. And they did bring in some new pieces. So uh, how about we take a second before we move on to the secondary and just name one of the new linebackers that, that the uh, Chiefs are bringing in that you feel like will make the biggest impact. And Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Um, I'm going to go with uh, this new linebacker from uh, Mississippi State, Gay. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to make an instant impact on the team I'm really excited he's super athletic uh you know it looks like you know Andy Reid talks about how he could play running back so I just think with that speed and you know the mental capacity that he has that he can really make an impact really fast yeah yeah when when I think of new linebackers he's definitely the first one that comes to mind um someone I'm gonna a little different direction he's not new but maybe he'll step up in a big way in 2020. Uh, Dorian or Daniel, I really hope he kind of steps in and, and provides us something in his in his third year. He he really struggled last year. Uh, I don't I, I believe he struggled a lot with injuries. I don't think we even had him for most of the year. Uh, but I, I really hope Dod does something for us in 2020. I think he might step. I know he can. You know they've said he can play a little bit of safety. He's kind of that hybrid type of guy. Um, which I know Spagnola loves those hybrid, you know, tweener kind of guys. So hopefully Dorian O'Daniel steps up in a big way in 2020. If not, he, his time's probably coming to a close when his rookie or when, yeah, when his rookie deals up. Yeah, I definitely hear that. You see, I was always good to end on a high note for the linebackers. Cause that, I think of all our reviews, the linebacking core, we've taken a, a bunch of shots at right now. So let's, uh, let's move on a high note. <laughs> they're, hey, they're easy targets. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So let's let's get into the secondary, and if we're going to talk about the Chiefs secondary, we got to start off with with uh, Tyrone Matthew. First season with the Chiefs, and the guy he was out there. It seemed like he's been there his whole career. Talent, I'm gonna start with you. Just, just give us a grade, because uh, I'm assuming I, I think I know the grade, but I'm gonna let you just say it. Yeah, I'm gonna go A. You know what? I'll go A plus. I'm going A plus. Tyron Matthew was was the heart and soul outside of Chris Jones. Tyron Matthew was a Chris Jones at the secondary and what those two combined Jones in the trenches Matthew in the secondary man that our defense was just completely different in terms of playmaking ability uh and, and in terms of you know stepping up when we needed them to step up and I invaluable the best free agent signing that the Chiefs have made probably in a very long time yeah I'm gonna agree I mean the Chiefs were really missing somebody 
from uh, whenever they lost Eric Berry. They really needed that playmaker safety. I'm not saying they play similarly, similar, similar, but uh, they, you know, they just really needed a playmaker down there in the secondary. And Tyron Matthew, uh, although he has some dropped interceptions, he was clearly the best player. He even got some nods for being defensive player of the year. So it's a clear A for me. Yeah, I think A-plus or A, you can't go wrong with that. The guy was an immediate impact from day one, and uh, he just, you know, he, he was a leader. Like, it's very rare to see a guy come in in a, a brand-new situation, and he's automatically look, looked at as a leader on the team. And, he, you know, he brings that on and off the field. I mean, his Twitter account, I don't know if you guys are, are big with the Twitter, is, is probably one of the most active accounts out there regarding anything going on. So um, he's not shy. He's, he's really open, and and I think you need a guy like that that wants to lead a team and and really put the pressure on himself. Like he's he's one of those guys that's not afraid to to challenge himself, and, and you need a leader like that to really you know show the rest of the young players, especially in that secondary, how to go out there and how to win. So uh, I'm really uh I'm really a fan of, of Matthew and everything that he's done with the Chiefs so far. So I'm going to go with A-plus, Talon. I'm going across the board with an A-plus with Matthew on that. But I do have to I have to ask you this. You said the, the greatest uh, free agent for the Chiefs of all time? I wouldn't say of all time. He, he's, <laughs> he's the best one that they've, they, that they've brought in for a long time. I wouldn't say all oh, okay. time, but for okay. a long time. Okay, because I was thinking it was like, you know, Joe Montana. I was going to go. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to how to go and name some names here, but it's okay. I I, I get you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, ninety three was a long time ago. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay, let's uh let's stay in the secondary. Um, how about we go to um one of our corners? Let's let's go with Breland. Uh, I want your your guys' opinion on him. I felt like he's he was very steady all season, and you know there there was always the um the possibility of where he could go and, and take it to another level. I, I, I always had a problem with trying to rate him. And uh, Mitch, I'm going to go with you on this one. What do you think uh, about Breland's season? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with a B. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go with a B. Um, I thought he was really good. You know, he was pretty consistent for the majority of the season. He did have some problems, especially with the defensive holding. He had like 13 of them this year. I'd like for him to cut that down, but – uh. I thought he he was pretty good uh, throughout the whole season. He was able to shut down some players, including the uh, Oakland Raiders receiver, uh, Tyrell Williams, I think that's his name, if I'm correct, uh, week two. And uh, he just did a good job. I'll go with the B. Yeah, you know, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go B minus. I'll go a little bit lower than you, not much. I, I, I agree with everything you said. He, he provided us with something in the secondary. Um, but I just don't think without Fuller, without Ward, without Matthew, I think I think Breland is not that guy. Hopefully he can kind of grow into that guy. But without those other guys around him, I'm not sure he has the season he did, uh, even though it was kind of as, you know, it was pretty mediocre, really. Um, but, you know, I know we're looking mainly in 2019, but I, disappointed with the offseason Breland has had so far. Not Not too great, not a great look for Breland. You know, and, and I don't know if that really puts his future with the Chiefs in jeopardy or not. Um, we we need him. At, you know, he's not the best corner on the team by far, but we definitely need him to provide that starting role, to provide some, you know, depth if, if we find someone else, you know, one of these younger guys to step in. Um, yeah, but, you know, focusing on 2019, I'm going to go B minus, but so far he's, he's scored an F in 2020. You actually, both of you guys hit it right on the head. And then Talon, I'm happy you brought it up. I was, you know, when I brought, when I thought about his name, I was like, he was consistent. Like he was a guy you can have in the starting lineup, but he, he left so much more to be desired. And then obviously the most recent incident with um, the arrest, it doesn't help him out at all. And just looking at what the guy's potential is and, and how he's kind of wasting it right now, it's a, uh, it's something you have to put into – you have to take into account. So I'm going to go with a C plus, just because I, I do expect more from him. And I'm, going to, I'm adding in what he did during the offseason as, uh, as a factor. I mean, you just don't do – you just won a Super Bowl. Like, come on, man. You know, you, you got to be smarter than that. And, and this is going to affect him going into the new season. But uh, we'll see what happens. And we're actually going to go right to another corner that uh, you brought up, Kendall Fuller. And um, with Fuller's season – 
he made some big plays. He's very consistent. And I'm going to go with you, Mitch. I'm going to start off. I want your opinion on this. Uh, Kendall Fuller, uh, you know, he had a he, – he kind of struggled a little bit in there. I do want to give him credit for, you know, whenever he did fill in for, like, that weird little safety slash slot corner thing they did whenever Juan Thornhill got hurt. He did a really good job in that area, especially in the postseason. You know, he made some really big plays in the Super Bowl. So I'll go ahead and give him a – a B also for his play near the end of the season. Um, I'm, I am excited for his, uh, for his future in Washington, though, to see if maybe he can get back to that, you know, number one corner like he was supposed to be whenever the Chiefs got him. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you, Mitch. I'll give him a – I think he gave him a B. I'll, I'll give him a B. Uh, you know, he, he, did a, he did a solid job. You know, we brought him in. He was only here for a couple years, then he went back to the team that drafted him. Um, it's, it's funny because I always – on Madden, I always like to trade – Kendall to uh to Chicago and have Kyle and Kendall be their starting corner I don't know it's just a weird thing I like to do but um yeah Kendall Fuller yeah you can't really be mad at what he did but you can't really praise too much what he did uh he just kind of was here did his job kind of one of those you know clock in clock out kind of guys and now he's you know he got a Super Bowl ring going back home if you will um so yeah you know I I don't have any ill will toward him at all you know I'm not upset that he walked away uh, from the Chiefs organization, I think he did, you know, an average job for us. So, yeah, I'll give him a B. And, he got, you know, he, he's uh, part of a Super Bowl winning team. So, he'll always be a part of our organization. Definitely agree. Uh, give him a B. Um, obviously, moving on from the Chiefs, you know. So, <laughs> um, we definitely have to, you know, you look at what his impact was and then you, you want to see how do you replace that in regards to, yes, he was average, but he was a guy out there that you can – you know, you could put in those different packages and he can make plays when necessary. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Chiefs move on from him. But uh, now I do want to ask about Javarius Ward and, uh, you know, his season last year. And I'm going to start with you, Talon. What did you think of Javarius Ward's season? I think he stepped up and he made huge strides from 2018 to 2019. I think he was uh, probably one of the most, if not the most improved player on the defense as a whole. You know, he didn't, he, he stepped in in a supportive role in 2018 and 2019 stepped into a starting role, uh, only two interceptions, but 10 pass deflections. And uh, he was in on a lot of tackles. He was, he proved that he's not, you know, he doesn't shy away from helping in the run game, which is huge. Which is one of the biggest things I always had with Marcus Peters. Um, I know that's that's old news, and you know, <laughs> it's hard for me to forget Marcus Peters. I just have so much okay. animosity toward him. But anyway, um, I, I really do like Ward, and I think he's just going to get better. This is only his second year, uh, going into his third, and the way he played in his second year, he he seemed to not get rattled. He's he's always seemed to be cool as a cucumber. Didn't shy away from the big moments, um, and it, even though he did, he wasn't perfect all the time. He he was always the effort was always there. What uh, you know, as a coaching staff, you love to see that from guys, and and those are the guys that really improve throughout their careers. The guys that don't shy away. The guys that you know are not afraid of the big moment and and aren't afraid to fail because that's when you learn. So I think I think Trevor Ward has a very bright future for the Kansas City Chiefs. So for a grade, sorry, I guess I never did do that. I'm going to give him a, a B plus. Yeah, uh, I'll give him a B plus also if. I'm going to maybe say an A- minus for what I think he can be next year. Uh, I've never seen a player be, be in the right spot so many times but not be able to make a play. That's like my one thing with Charvarius Ward. You know, the Chiefs uh, coaching office has talked about this. Um, Sam Madison, you know, has really worked with him trying to get him, you know, to be a better player uh, playing the ball, you know, getting those interceptions. Like you said, he only had two interceptions. Um, you know, we want to get those numbers up just a little bit more. Um, I'll go ahead and give him a B plus a B plus for this last season though. Um, he's just a player who's got better every single game. Like it looks like he just improves. Like he always fixes something every single game. I'm really excited for his future in Kansas city. Yeah, I agree. Um, just, you know, obviously Sam Madison was just speaking about him recently talking about all the different things and he has yet to reach his full potential at the position. Uh, I can see the guy being a, uh, a perennial Pro Bowl type of player. I think he has that type of ability. He shows you he shows you flashes here and there. Now it's just about being consistent and just making sure everyone knows he's that guy. Because you 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 always want to um, have that type of corner on a team where 
automatically the other team, they, they have fear of throwing to that side. And I don't know if Ward is ever going to be the ultimate shutdown corner, but he has to bring some type of fear to the other team that, you know, that he will make a play. So I with Ward, I do give him a B plus for last season, and I do see a bigger year out of him. So um, that's that's going to be interesting to see, especially with the way Madis is going to work with him, Spagnolo and and the defense. So it's it's going to be a a real big year for growth for him, and we're gonna we're gonna see what happens moving forward. Now I got to get into uh, Juan Thornhill. Now we already know the injury, the uh, torn ACL. There's so many question marks regarding him heading into next season, but how about we just break down what he just went through this past season and uh, talent? I'm going to start with you. Where, how would you grade uh, Juan Thornhill? For being a rookie uh, coming in and, and really solidifying that safety spot next to Tyron Matthew, I'm going to give him an A. I think he did a wonderful job in 2019, especially as I mentioned as a rookie, a second round guy out of Virginia. Um, just, Oh man, I was I was so pleased to see the growth he made throughout the season, and not only he did grow, but he he was never really, I never felt like he looked like a rookie. I always kind of felt like, and this guy just kind of gets it. He 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 knows what he's doing. He knows where to be. He understands what what the Chiefs defense was trying to do. Granted, he had the perfect running mate in Tyron Matthew. I think Matthew is a perfect guy to have uh, next to a rookie who's really kind of learning on the fly and stuff like that. So I think you got to give Tyron Matthew a lot of credit for that which we you know we touched on him and and all that but for for Thornhill I, I really do I, I love what he did in 2019 I think he's going to be a, a big staple of this, of this defense for a long time as, as long as he can bounce back uh, from that ACL injury that you mentioned and I I'm going to give him an A I think he was great yeah I'm going to agree too with that I'll give him an A I mean he was before he got injured he was arguably the fourth or fifth best player on the defense and that's and that's a you know saying a lot as a rookie because, you know, you kind of expect your rookies to be, you know, near the middle or, you know, near the bottom, you know, talent-wise on the team, you know, especially as a starter. But he just was dynamic from day one. I'm really excited to see what he turns into with Tyron Matthew. I think both of them together could be, you know, one of the top safety duos in the NFL. I agree completely. And, you know, I, I go with an A as well, guys, just because, like you said, as a rookie, stepping up, making the big plays – um, it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to recover from this injury and how quickly it's going to, it's going to take because um, he's a guy that is needed, I, I feel like, every day. But since we are still talking about safeties, we can't just ignore um, the job that uh, Dirty Dan did, Daniel Sorensen, uh, last season. Talon, can you uh, real quick give a grade for Sorensen? Yeah, I'll give him a B plus. I mean, Daniel Sorensen, kind of like a Derek Nottie. You know what you get out of him. You can't expect too much. But the way he plays the game with the heart and the soul and the effort, and he just he he's he's that he's that energizer bunny that you could just kind of like shrug your shoulders like I don't even know how he made that play, but he just made it, you know. I, so I got to give him a B plus, and just because he's not like the world's best athlete, he's not going to be the best safety in the league, but he provides something for this defense that you just really can't put your finger on. And, and so I'm going to go with a B plus for for old Dirty Dan. Yeah, I'll go with a B plus also. We have a, a lot of the same grades tonight, I guess. But uh, I really like uh, Daniel Sorensen as as the backup safety who comes in on certain packages. I think, you know, if he comes in on this rotational thing, I think that's where he belongs. I never wanted him to be the starter over, you know, Juan Thornhill or Tyron, Tyran if, you know, if we can avoid it. But I really do think he – is a, I'm glad we have him on this team. I think he does make a difference. He's a great special teams player. He made that big play against the Texans in, division, in the divisional round. So uh, I'll give him a D plus. Um, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to give him an A minus. I, I just feel like when a guy can – even though he's technically a reserve, he could be counted on to just come in and start or play special teams and, and just do different things for your club. you, you got to give him the respect that he may not be the most talented – but he, got, he does give you the effort every time he's out there. And that playoff game you were just talking about, he had nine tackles to lead the team. So it's like you know what he can bring to the table. He's going to bring the energy. He's going to bring the effort. And he's somebody that I had to make sure we mentioned, even though he was a non-starter, just because of what he's brought to, to that defense. And, um, you know, that's Sorensen. That's the type of guy that you need on the team. But uh, that wraps it up. I, I, is there anybody else that you feel like we may have missed that we should throw out there and show some acknowledgement for 
from the 2019 year? Uh, if, if there was one guy, I would just, I, I don't believe we touched on him, but uh, Damien Wilson, uh, the other, another linebacker, I think he was kind of a, a dim bright spot for the linebacker group. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. He just, he kind of provided a little bit of something. I don't remember if we touched on him or not. I'm sorry if we did, we can cut this out if we did, but, um, but yeah, Damien Wilson, I think deserves a little bit of, I wouldn't say praise, but a little bit of a recognition, if you will, uh, for, for providing what he did for the defense. Um, yeah, I agree with you on there. And a player I would like to, you know, briefly talk about real quick is, uh, Tano. I know he didn't get like a ton of playing time, but just from his uh, progression from 2018 to 2019 was a really big step for him. So I'm kind of excited for his role for this next season. I know we got a uh, guy, uh, Taco Charlton, who is kind of expecting to take over to be that starter in that role. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tano, you know, maybe become the starter, um, especially if he takes another big step this season. Yeah, yeah, K pass for sure, and then and then uh, throw another D lineman out there is Alex Okafor. I think he uh, he provided a little something, something too. Definitely agree with that, and you know we we get to see what happens in twenty twenty. Um, hopefully, we do start on time with the NFL season, but uh, anything is possible. But I can agree that next week we will be back with another roundtable, uh, guys. As always, thank you for uh, chiming in, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Hey, thank you, fellas. Thank you. All right. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. And I, I've been wanting to get this guy on the, on the show for a while now. He's a, he's a big deal. I'm going to hype him up right now. He's a big deal when it comes to the, uh, the training world within professional sports. Uh, I'm just going to give it up for Mr. Billy Voltaire. Billy, how's it going, man? Um, we've been trying to do this for a while now, and um, I'm just happy to finally get you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me on to the show. It's, uh, it's an honor. Um, my second podcast, so I'm a little anxious. <laughs> but, um, again, I'm appreciative of the opportunity. And Yeah, you and I have been chatting about this for quite some time, and I'm glad we're finally able to do it. Definitely. And um, for everybody out there, obviously, I've been promoting this. Um, Billy has worked in the NFL. He's uh, worked with the Denver Broncos, actually winning a Super Bowl with the Broncos, and uh, most recently with the Houston Texans. And I actually want to start there, um, Billy. Just obviously starting your career, you work with the Denver Broncos. You go ahead and win a Super Bowl. Can you just describe that experience of just uh, working in the NFL and uh, going there? Uh, yeah, so um, working in the NFL was a dream of mine since I was probably an undergrad. And um, the minute I got into undergrad, I realized that's what I wanted to do. So I just laid out the steps. I literally went online and looked at um, folks that work in the league from scouting to strength conditioning to um, physical therapy and athletic training to try and see how everyone else got in. And I knew if I just did the exact same things or close to that, that I'd be able to get my foot in the door. And luckily for me, God blessed me with an opportunity to have an internship with the Denver Broncos. Um, so once I got my foot in the door, I knew it was going to be a difficult decision for them to let me walk out the door. And, you know, and I say that with all humility just because of my work ethic. So they gave me another opportunity to do another internship. Um, that turned into another job. And long story short, I wanted to do a little bit more than just athletic training. And the Broncos weren't um, – um, looking to do that at the time. Um, and so uh, Luke Richardson left the Denver Broncos. He was then head strength coach, got the job with the Texans, and him and I had similar visions and decided to hire me. Definitely hear that. And I appreciate the confidence. You know, it's okay to be confident. It's, it's, it's all a good thing, man. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. You got to let people know out here. Now, like I said, during your career – just getting the opportunity to obviously work with uh, a team in the Super Bowl and then winning a Super Bowl, can you just give people an idea of what that was like just the week leading up to the actual game? Yeah, um, and again, that was that was my first season. So a lot of people, um, I guess you put things into context or perspective. Like if you had worked in the league for several years and got to the playoffs and fell or never got to the playoffs and finally got to that, that game, it was, you know, you kind of appreciate a lot more than I did 
because that was my first year. So I had no idea what I was getting into. So we're making this playoff run and winning games by three points, four points. And the week leading up to the Super Bowl, obviously, you got, you know, friends and family that want to go to the game, um, tickets, and you're trying to figure out how much it's going to cost and how you're going to pay for it. And you get fit ring. Um, I think it was the week before the AFC Championship game. Um, or maybe it was after that. I just can't remember. But all that stuff, you don't really appreciate until after the fact. Not having been in the NFL for six, seven years, it's like, man, you're just itching to get back to that. So that week leading up to it is probably one of the more exciting times in my professional career and in my life. I'm just to travel, being able to bring family along, um, being in another city for an extended period of time and enjoying that culture, um, and just watching like the setup for two teams in one city military personnel guarding the stadiums and not just regular local police. Um, so there's a little tiny things that you kind of take for granted, but, you know, when you're experiencing that at that level, it's kind of a lot more exciting. I could definitely imagine uh, just everything that you had to go through. And, uh, you know, I thought it was funny when you said you had to bring up about family and, you know, everybody wants tickets at that point. But, yeah, you know, you're in the Super Bowl, AFC championship game. I definitely get that. That's a, that's a big deal. You know, yep. so got to keep that in mind. Um, I, I do also just want to, you know, kind of trend to this because we are the Chiefs wire and we talk about everything Chiefs. Since you were with the Broncos, you know, a place like Arrowhead Stadium was a place you had to go every single season. Mm-hmm. Can you just describe the atmosphere of uh, playing, you know, against the Chiefs in Arrowhead and how crazy the crowd is? Man, listen, um, Tiff- Tiffany Morton, uh, one of the assistant athletic trainers for the Chiefs, um, she's actually a good friend of mine. And I, I tell all the time that whenever we're going to Arrowhead, even during the preseason, it's circled on my calendar because there's no more exciting stadium to be at besides the old Oakland Coliseum, which had a different set of fans. But the stadium at Arrowhead is just, you know, historic. It's got a lot of history to it from the locker rooms being the way they are to the benches. By the way, if you guys are ever selling those, those benches in the locker room, I'm I'm the first person on board to 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 buy those things. So, um, a little history behind it. Um, the fans allowed. I remember my first game there as a Bronco. I think it was on Monday night or Thursday night, and it's just loud. We're down two scores. Peyton's throwing two picks, and I believe we fumbled it at some point. And I I can barely hear myself on the radio talking to um, my fellow athletic trainer. It's just every time we go back there, even when we were there most recently as a as a Texan. I'm just cheering the fans off because I love that Arrowhead chant. It's just – there's no other crowd like it in the league. Yeah, I definitely uh, – I've heard all the stories, and, I, you know, I've seen people say just Arrowhead Stadium is a different – it's a different animal compared to other stadiums. And obviously, you know, you had the firsthand experience going through it. And the last game um, with you um, – with the Texans, playoff game – you know, I, I, I honestly, I know I don't want to get too deep into the result. We all know the result already. Okay, I don't want to bring that up. I, you know, it's the off season. But uh, yeah. can you just from your from your vantage point, just the type of team that you saw were from like a guy like Patrick Mahomes, and and what did you see on your from your point of view, the type of team the Chiefs were? Like you, you kind of saw it as like a Super Bowl caliber team. Oh, absolutely. And like we've got into that game and. We're excited because we, we won the game during the regular season. I knew it was going to be a dog fight. And we all knew that we were going to have to put up 50, 40 points to even stay close in the game. And that wasn't even enough, obviously. But, you know, um, the crowd, you can never, like, emulate that no matter what you do, trying to pump noise into your own stadium to get that kind of feeling. It, in the cold weather, it's no, you can't prepare for that kind of stuff. But um, back to your question. So, like, we knew that Pat was – is who he is. He's an MVP quarterback. And I remember walking up and down the sideline after we went up, I think it was 21 zip or whatever we were up. And I kept telling the guys every time we score, I was like, we can't let up. It's zero, zero. And I kept thinking, I compared the Chiefs to the Golden State Warriors. You guys can be down, you know, 10, 15, 20 points and you'll knock down a couple threes or throw a couple touchdowns and get back in the game. And that's basically what it is. And that's the way I saw. I remember Pat when I was Denver Bronco, and he played. I think the final two games of the preseason of the regular season, um, when you got making the playoff run, I think in seventeen, right? Or that right. I think the season was over for you guys. And I said, man, he's he's got something to him. 
And, you know, lo and behold, the season after that, you know, he shows, puts the league on notice. So, you know, we know what that team's made of with Tyron and Pat and Travis Kelsey, Tariq Hill, uh, some of the young guys you guys have, special teams guys, Sorensen. You guys are just stacked. So it's, you know, much credit to what you guys do as far as the draft process and the head coach and keeping those guys healthy with the medical staff and the strength coaches. Um, it's just an all-around great organization. Uh, they're definitely a, uh, like I said, the, the Chiefs, amazing job winning the Super Bowl this year. I have to actually ask you because you know the experience of winning a Super Bowl. What about the year after? Because the Chiefs are now having to defend their, uh, their championship. What is the mm-hmm. mentality the year after, you know, going through everything and having to do it all over again? Like, can you just give us a, a kind of an example of what you went through after the, uh, yep. Super Bowl with, the with the Broncos? Yeah, um, and obviously I have a different vantage point, but, you know, it's kind of tough because obviously every Sunday, as they say in the league, any given Sunday, and, it, and that's truly the case. Like, you're always, you know, a turnover away from going 8-8, eight and eight, you know. Um, so it's kind of tough. Even if you win the Super Bowl, you can never guarantee that you're going back. And that's what I kind of alluded to at the beginning, you know, when I won it in my first year. These guys have been in the league uh, from the sports medicine side that have been in the league 30, 40 years and have never gone to a Super Bowl, let alone to a playoff game. So, you know, you win one and you might not be back for like three or four years. So that following year was kind of, you know, we thought we were going to go back because similar defense, we lost a couple players. Um, but we thought we were going to go back. Quarterback situation wasn't exactly what the organization uh, wanted it to be, I guess. Uh, Peyton had retired. Um, and we're going with a younger quarterback. I think it was Trevor Simeon and Mark Sanchez. Yes. Um, so we still thought we had a chance um, because we had the Von Millers, the uh, Mark Ware, and those guys. But when she, And we, I believe we started off the season three and one. And then after that, it was just, you know, downhill from there. I think we finished nine and seven or something like that. But, you know, the ball wasn't falling our way like it was the year before that. It's tough to repeat, let alone make the playoffs the following year, in that division at least. All right, I definitely hear you on that. And you know how you said you talk about, like, de- dealing with different players, dealing with their injuries. Uh, I neglected to mention one of the biggest injuries going into the playoffs last year was uh, J.J. Watt. Now, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, did you have a role in helping him prepare to come back so early the way he did? Because no one was expecting him to be around for the playoffs. No, I I didn't. I think that was a great job by uh, medical staff with um, Dr. Uh, Lowe um, and his surgery, obviously. And J.J. worked closely with uh, Roland Ramirez. That's his guy. Um, and those guys, you know, work together and getting J.J. back on the field. And that's a testament to J.J.'s work ethic and who J.J. Watt is and what we know him to be. Uh, he just put the hard work in, put his head down, and he never had a doubt that he'd be back for the playoffs. I definitely hear that. And um, before we let you go, I have to ask, um, I know you're, you're working in your own business right now, and obviously the world is uh, a little upside down because of everything that's been going on with COVID-19. What, ha- what is there any advice that you would give people that just want to stay in shape or just want to stay healthy during this time? Um, because, like I said, there's so much uncertainty. People can't go out. And, and you just – is there anything that they can do that you would uh, – Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, absolutely. Um, I think um, just being consistent with whatever you decide to do, if you're going to train at home, if you're going to run, um, two things is being consistent and being progressive because a lot of – I've had a lot of friends and clients that have ended up um, hurting themselves because they just jump right into running three miles a day and didn't really have a plan. And if you're not used to doing a particular exercise, whether it's running, squatting, lunging, and you just jump right into it and doing a lot too soon, um, you can end up getting yourself hurt. So again, the main two things I'd say is just be consistent. Find something that you enjoy to do that you can do on your free time for 20 to 30 minutes and um, just be progressive with how you get into it. Definitely hear that, man. And uh, can you shout out your business and uh, let people know where they can catch up with you, get some more information, maybe follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can follow me on Instagram, uh, Volt, like as in Voltage, so V-O-L-T dot P-T. Um, and my email address, sorry, my website is VoltPerformanceTherapy.com. Uh, 
Um, and you can find me there or send me a, a message through the contact form on the website. Um, right now, I just work privately, so I don't work with no more than 20, 20 uh, individuals a month. I provide rehab, uh, telehealth for consultation uh, for anyone dealing with injuries or wants a home workout program to put together and uh, small group training right now. So during the season, I'll be working with a couple guys traveling doing some recovery work and possibly some rehab for any unfortunate injuries this season. Okay, definitely make sure you follow him. Make sure you check out the website. Uh, he's one of the best in the business. Billy, thanks again, man, for uh, coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I appreciate the invite, Ed. All I'll right. see you in a couple months. Oh, you know it, man. <laughs> take care. <laughs> All right, take care. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.